Hey, it's me, Norm McFucking Donald. I traveled all the way back from the afterlife to tell you that this show has spoilers and bad words in it and the classics, shit folk, etc. Please listen responsibly. Ears. It's time for Beer Me a Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the podcast where me and Brian go back and forth surprising each other week after week with what we're going to talk about the next week. Yeah, we never know until it's time. We never know. It's a pretty basic premise. Deal with it. Screw yeah. you. Not everything needs a crazy hook. No. Well, we tried to do a crazy hook for this one and we blew it. <laughs> Literally. Out what, of we, my face. Yeah. Did you? Oh, yeah, I absolutely did. Oh, I, I didn't. I'm still good. Uh, we, we said we were going to do a drunk episode for this one, and we sort of did. We uh, we gave it a hell of a shot. We did. So we did a Patreon episode leading into the drunk episode a few nights ago, and the fact that we're recording this now should tell you how it went. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, got, um, we got real drunk. God, so drunk. And it got to the point that me and Brian both blacked out, and do not remember recording the episode. And we yep. we got around 51 minutes into the episode when we both felt the need to vom and yep. had to call it quits on the episode. Uh, I drank a half bottle of whiskey. There's a bottle sitting next to you. Drink that. Did you drink a half also? I drank at least a half, yeah. Oh, my God. And you also had the, the moonshine pickles. I had the moonshine pickles. <laughs> and I did not eat lunch or dinner that day. So It did not end well. So we had to re-record it. Because we just couldn't get through the episode. Yeah. And we will be releasing the drunk <laughs> episode on Patreon sometime in the future. I yeah. have no idea what was said. No, not a clue. No, it could be. Maybe we're so good at this at this point that it's going to be almost identical to what we do now. But, <laughs> Who knows? but we I have honestly no idea. have no idea. I have no recollection of the episode whatsoever. None. Um, we got to oh. antagonist, apparently. Apparently. We, we got as far as saying the word antagonist before we called it. I'm so curious. Listen back. We want to apologize that we have to do we this do. again. Because we did promise you a drunk episode. We did. And, and we delivered way too hard. Like, we overdid it to kind we, of make up for it. And that was yeah. entirely on us and lesson learned. Lesson learned. So, Brian, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to be talking about this week? Completely <laughs> stone fucking sobered. <laughs> because I haven't Completely. had a drink since. <laughs> yeah, same. It's been a few days and not a drop of alcohol has passed these lips. We are once again going to be talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We had you guys vote on, on what we should cover for our Christmas episode, and that is what you chose by an overwhelming majority. 55% of the vote went to Christmas Vacation. It did. It's from 1989. It's directed by famous director Jeremiah S. Chechik and written by John fucking Hughes. That is written by John fucking Hughes. Uh, Jeremiah S. Chechik, famous, of course, for The Avengers. Yes, and also commercials. And that's for real. Really? Yeah, he was a big-time commercial director, and one of the reasons why he even got this job is Stanley Kubrick said some of his commercials are phenomenal. And they're like, Kubrick complimented this guy? Let's Give put him, him on a, a comedy starring Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that all adds up. It's his first feature film. It was not his last. It might as well have been his last. <laughs> <laughs> There was the Avengers, but not the ones you're thinking not of. Not the ones you're thinking of. How many times have you seen this thing? 
Uh, more than I can count. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. It's probably my, well, it's one of my most quoted movies by like a long shot. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's up there. Want to dive into this thing? Let's just get right into it. Starting off with story motivation, which comes directly from Wikipedia. Chicago area resident Clark Griswold. Chicago land, Chicago land, Chicago land. They take it very seriously. Oh, well, you better edit the Wikipedia then. Wikipedia's fucking up, man. They just call it Chicago area. Ah, Chicago land. Whenever I'm in Chicago and I'm listening to the radio, like, oh, come to your Chevy dealer in the Chicago land area. It's like, just, we have like the tri-state area where I am, and that's all fine and dandy. Chicago land makes it sound like there should be a roller coaster everywhere. There should be so many different amusement park rides for you to enjoy while you're in Chicago land. Not just windy and gunfire ducking and... <laughs> and the occasional good hot dog. Is, and... Port- Portillo's has a great hot dog. Oh, Let's say man. it's not the occasional good. It's a great hot dog. Well, I'm just saying, occasionally you have one. Fair enough. Clark Griswold, played by Chevy fucking Chase. He doesn't get the fucking often, but he does here. Yeah, I think it's deserved here. I feel like whenever he is Clark Griswold, he probably should get it. Yeah, I agree. Clark plans to have a great Christmas with his entire family, so he drives his wife, Ellen... <laughs> Who was, of course, played by Beverly D'Angelo. Beverly fucking D'Angelo! Why would you do that? right. I wanted to give you the option to give her the fucking... No, again, well... Ah. You see the way you word that? (laughs) See see how I did that? (laughs) His daughter, Audrey, who's, of course, played by Juliet fucking Lewis. And his son, Rusty, who is played by Johnny fucking Collect. Yeah, this time. This time. This is complete insanity. The way this is casted. All the time. They do, and they also change, like, ages, because isn't Rusty the older brother in the first Vacation movie? Is he? And now he's, like, the younger brother. And everybody gets on everybody's dicks about, like, the MCU and recasting and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. No one's ever had a problem with the the casting in the National Lampoon's Vacation movies. Never. I guess continuity doesn't matter as much when you're talking about the Griswold family. I guess so. Now you have all this stuff with, like, the DCEU, whatever it is being taken over by uh, Peter Safran and James fucking Gunn. And everyone's right. like, well, why should I go out and see these movies that are coming out in the next year for stuff that's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things? It's like, because you might actually enjoy it. Because there's still movies. It might why be a you... good movie still. <laughs> you could watch a movie. It doesn't have to be building up to something else. <laughs> Unbelievable. You just watch a movie. We're not on that show anymore. I get it. It still grinds my goddamn gears. It, it's pretty irritating. So the family Griswold are headed out to the country to find a tree. And after after walking through the snow for hours, Clark picks out the largest tree he can find. Realizing too late that they did not bring any tools to cut the tree down, (laughs) they're forced to uproot it instead before driving home with a tree strapped to the roof of their car. And I love the way this is all set up, too, because as they're going out to the middle of nowhere, of course, the truck that gets on Clark's tail as he's driving. And of course, shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans ensue. And he, he is one of those guys who can't back down from a challenge ever. Not once. Not this guy. So he ends up just like flying his car off the road and it's a whole thing. A whole hysterical thing. That car still operates after that. I can't believe it. Soon after, both Clark and Ellen's parents arrive for Christmas, but their bickering quickly begins to annoy the family. Well, I like the way this all happens because... Alan's like, are you sure you want to do this? And Clark's like, of course, Christmas is about family. And the second they walk in, they start bickering. He goes, I'm going to uh, go outside. (laughs) Go hang up some lights. Have fun with our parents. Clark, however, maintains a positive attitude, determined to have a fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. 
He covers the house's entire exterior with 25,000 twinkle lights, which fail to work at first as he has accidentally wired them through his garage's light switch. Is that still like a thing that people can do that? I know at my folks' house it is. I think so, yeah. But I mean, I don't have that problem here, which is good. But I also don't hang up lights anymore because fuck that. That's <laughs> so labor intensive. Then you got to take them down. And I put up a couple inflatables for the, for the kids to enjoy. And then yep. I got one of those spotlights that's like a snowflake and it makes it look like my, there's snow coming down in my house. Yeah. And it works perfectly. Dude, Saves sure. all the time in the world. Lazy. Yeah. Lazy. Yeah, but festive. When I lived in Connecticut, we had a, a neighbor across the street who had one of those, but they pointed it out to the rest of the neighborhood. Why? What's the point of doing that? I have no idea, but it was, and it was extra weird because it was one of those green ones. It wasn't snowflakes. It was just like the green dots, like a laser pointer. Sure. So like I'd be driving out of my driveway and just be getting hit in the eye with a green laser coming from the yard across the street. What an asshole. Is, Unless he's, he's like a big old Scrooge and just like, fuck everybody. I'll go out and buy one of those laser ones. <laughs> Fine. You want me to put up lights? I'll put up lights in the whole damn neighborhood. Literally stealing from like a Pink Floyd show. When the lights finally come on, they temporarily cause a citywide power shortage and create chaos for Clark's yuppie neighbors, Todd and Margot Chester. <laughs> oh, man. Who are, of course, played by Nicholas fucking Guest and Julia fucking Louis fucking Dreyfus. They are both so good in this movie they're phenomenal and man just why is the floor wet todd i don't know margo so good i cannot understand their home like at all because when you look at the griswold house and presumably this neighborhood was all built at the same time so all these houses are going to be similar as neighborhoods want to do yeah but they have this strange like open air elevated bedroom that's up the stairs Like, you could that, dive over the side wall and then end up in the living room. Yeah. It's down like the stairs. It's, it's so like weird. A lofted bedroom. I do not understand this home. It's, uh, it's bizarre. All. Also, I like how the just conveniently windows fall wherever things need to be when they come crashing through them. Of course. <laughs> While standing on the front lawn admiring the lights, Clark is shocked to see Ellen's country-based cousin, Catherine, and her husband, Eddie. Now, we have a bit of a moral dilemma here of giving him the, the middle name. We do. Because it is Randy Quaid, but... and this is the best Randy Quaid by a long shot, which isn't hard to do, admittedly, but right, right. this is like an epically good character. This is so good. It has to be Randy fucking Quaid. Ah, so dirty. It feels- Ah, it's so dirty! But if there's ever a role that deserves it, it's this one. It's gotta be this one. And of course, Catherine is played by Miriam Flynn. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> She's here. <laughs> they arrive unannounced with their children, Rocky and Ruby Sue, and their pet Rottweiler, Snots. What a great name for a dog. Such a good name. Eddie later admits that they are living in the RV they arrived in, as he's too broke and has been forced to sell his home and acreage. And Eddie is gross, to put it real Eddie... light. I don't know if he is gross. He's just really comfortable. All the time. He's, he doesn't yeah. really give a shit what he's saying. And I don't know the whole family thing. Like, Catherine is Ellen's cousin? I think so. Okay. So, when Eddie says, like, oh, I mean, the kids could go sleep inside. Me and Catherine had a long ride. We could use a little alone time in front of the whole family. Like, it just shows his yeah. level of comfort. This guy doesn't feel any shame ever. Not only he's talking about slamming someone's niece there. I can't figure out the whole family <laughs> element. It's hard to figure out how they're related. Like, Art Smith is such a dickhead 
<laughs> and Francis Smith is such a dickhead. They're Ellen's parents. <laughs> but then I love Clark Sr. He taught Clark Jr. Everything knows about exterior illumination. It's wonderful. And Nora is a damn sweetheart. She supports her son in everything. Yeah, you could tell that, that Clark, Clark's got some supportive-ass parents. He does. He has supportive-ass family. That's why, all, in general, even if you look at the kids. That's true. How, like, Audrey's shutting down the Ellen parents because she's just like, fuck you, Grandma. My dad worked really hard on this. I don't care if you're Doris fucking Roberts. No, you, if there's anybody in this movie you could tell fuck you, it's Doris fucking Roberts because you know she could take it. That's true. That's true. A tough she, broad. She is. She raised Ray Romano. So <laughs> Yeah, she did. <laughs> she got fictionally slammed by Peter Boyle. That's true. And, and you he know played that Frankenstein out of Got point. a Frankenstein. <laughs> well, Frankenstein's monster. But still, you know what I mean. Fuck you. Yeah, he's got Frankenstein's monster on him. <laughs> what? <laughs> also, Cousin Eddie has older children. They're too busy to come to. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good way to write them out. Yep. At least they attempted with those kids. These ones are just like, recast them. Who cares how old they are? Who gives a damn? Clark offers to buy gifts for Eddie's kids so they can still enjoy Christmas. Soon afterward, Clark's <laughs> senile Aunt Bethany and Uncle Grumpy Uncle Lewis arrive as well. Just going back, I love when they're in this Walmart and- Oh, God. Clark's like, I mean, I'll get your kids gifts. And Eddie's like, ah, oh, you're such a good, here's a list. Like, you're such a good cousin. <laughs> I never thought the, this would happen. Here's also, a list of everything they want. please- Get for you. I want to get you something real nice. Real nice. Can we quickly talk about uh, Aunt Bethany? Oh, I would love to talk about Aunt Bethany for as long as possible. The greatest delight that there is. She comes in just asking questions, and there's some of my favorite questions in the world. They remind me of the pilot in Airplane. Yes. They're just so out of left field. Like, do you like movies about gladiators? <laughs> is Rusty still in the Navy? It's. <laughs> <laughs> I love this woman so much. And she also used to voice Betty Boop back in the day. I did not know that. Yeah. May fucking Questel. Yep. She's fantastic. She is. She's put on a show. Well, so is Uncle Lewis. I mean, he's a scene stealer in everything he's in. Absolutely. William fucking Hickey. Ah, what a treat. Just showing up with his toupee and yelling at Bethany. Just great. Oh, you didn't have to get me anything, Uncle Lewis. Ah, he guessed it. <laughs> well, legend. This guy doesn't legend. give a fuck about anything. He doesn't. He's just lighting cigars inside, setting Christmas trees on fire. It's great. He wouldn't be lighting anything on fire if he knew what Cousin Eddie had done earlier. That's true. Emptying his full shitter into the <laughs> RV's septic. It's gray water tank, if you will. Ah, oh, gross. Clark begins to wonder why his boss, Frank Shirley, has not given him his yearly bonus, which he desperately needs to replace an advance payment he has made to install a swimming pool for the coming summer. I like how the swimming pool MacGuffin just carries its way through the whole movie. It's so good. How at first it's all about putting on the best Christmas, and then it becomes a financial matter? I, like, there's that whole scene where he's just imagining everybody in the, in the backyard in the pool having a grand old time, and then it becomes like, ah, right, that's why we're here. Well, he imagines the lady at the counter earlier in this when he's right. going to buy his Mary, possibly ex-wife, possibly dead wife, Nicolette Scorsese. No relation, but allegedly, allegedly. But I, I love how Clark deals with just women in general because it makes no fucking sense to me. It's yeah. like, why would you go out flirting with any other woman? He does this in every vacation movie? That's right. It's, when it's... he can, he wakes up. To, 
next to Beverly fucking D'Angelo every morning. It makes no sense. I don't get it. This guy, he's just uh, always wanting something else. He is, but I'm like, is he that cocksure of himself that like, he could just lean into talking to any woman he wants, saying that his wife's dead, saying that he's getting divorced? <laughs> I don't know. He seems super flustered, but he does it so often that he does surely it this must be a all tactic. the time, man. It's got to be a the tactic time. then. Like he is definitely a predator. A hundred percent. The Freudian slips, a little forced. Like he's he's incepting oh, ideas. You're going to go with the word a little there, huh? A little forced. <laughs> it's John Hughes pretty much just finding every sexual innuendo he can possibly think of that he didn't put in weird science and say, I guess I'll use him in this movie now. John Hughes, still uncanceled. Somehow still uncanceled. Also now dead. So probably better for him, but right. still uncanceled. Still uncanceled for question for reasons that I can't figure out. I can't figure it out. After disastrous Christmas Eve dinner, along with Bethany's cat getting electrocuted and Uncle Lewis accidentally burning down the Christmas tree with, while lighting a cigar, he finally receives an envelope from a company messenger who had failed to deliver it the day before. And instead of the presumed bonus, the envelope contains a free year membership for the Jelly of the Month Club. Great gift. Great gift. Unless you're expecting, obviously, money. If you're expecting anything else. It's, the, it's a gift that keeps on giving, Clark. <laughs> I can't say be fucking grateful, except for like the speech that Clark's going to give later, where you should oh, never God. have your Christmas bonus tied to your no. kind of yearly budgeting. Never do that. Terrible do idea. That. That's why it's called the bonus. Right. So you don't do that. It's supposed to be the nice surprise. Right. This prompts Clark to snap and go into a tirade about Frank, and out of anger, requests that he be delivered to the house, wrapped in a bow, so Clark can insult him to his face. Seems like a pretty reasonable gift. I mean, it's a simple enough request. He knows exactly where his boss lives, which is strange. <laughs> I like that he's just he's just going, he's mad. He's yelling, and then uh, Cousin Eddie takes the request literally, and he drives to Frank's mansion and kidnaps him. Frank, of course, is played by Brian Doyle Murray. Relation. Relation. <laughs> to the, the Bill Murray. Yes, relation. Frank admits to having canceled the Christmas bonuses, and Clark chastises him for doing so. I mean, if you're getting fired anyway, might as well go off. Lean in. You have nothing to lose here. Burn it down. Yeah. Meanwhile, Frank's wife, Helen, calls the police, and a SWAT team storms the Griswold house and holds everyone at gunpoint. And you have Ellen, who's holding Clark at cockpoint. Yeah. She's got, like, a whole fist full of she just giblets. 100% is just holding on for dear life. And if you are Chevy Chase, how do you film that scene? Do you wear the tightest underwear you can, like, in the world? I, I don't know. That, that's a tough call. He was a good actor once. This is proof. You think he's, like, wearing a cup just to make <laughs> just sure? Just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> Frank decides not to press charges and explains the situation to his wife and the SWAT leader, both of whom scold him for his decision to scrap the bonuses. Well, his wife even calls him cheap. Yeah, like, you really did that? Like, come on, dude. Frank ultimately decides to reinstate the bonuses and gives Clark the amount he received the previous year, plus 20% more. Which has got to be significant at that point. Yeah, I would imagine so. The family heads outside, where Rocky and Ruby Sue believe they see Santa Claus in the distance. Clark tells them that it's actually the Christmas star, and that he finally realizes what the holiday means to him. Which is... Christmas bonuses. Got it. All right. I thought that's what it was. 
Uncle Lewis says the light is coming from the sewage treatment plant, reminding Clark that Eddie has been dumping his RV sewage into the nearby storm drain. Before Clark can stop him, Uncle Lewis tosses a match used to light a cigar into the drain, triggering an explosion, which sends a Santa sleigh decoration flying into the sky. Aunt Bethany starts singing the Star-Spangled Banner, and everyone joins in as the flaming decoration flies into the distance. It's wonderful, and I love Aunt Bethany because even when they asked her to say grace, she just said the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> That's right. It's terrific. The blessing. <laughs> <laughs> Choices were made all around, and I love them all. They were. And again, Clark meaning well at dinner, asking Aunt Bethany, this is our 80th <laughs> Christmas. And she's like, I don't want to do this. It's why you shouldn't ask old people to do things in the yeah. public area. Because like, I'm thinking back to my grandparents who aren't around like, in these situations. It's like, I don't want to think of them that way. Right. As like the person who wasn't able to keep their shit together at the Christmas <laughs> dinner table. <laughs> When it's played for comedy, it's one thing. When it's real life, it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. It's like, what was your last thought of your grandpa? Well, remember him having red jello and it trickling out of the side of his mouth. Ugh. And the dog jumping up on his lap, licking his crotch, and just eating that jello. If it was a movie, it would have been hilarious. Oh, Merry Christmas to all. <laughs> Especially you, Grandpa. Especially and, you. And your wet crotch. <laughs> Wherever you are. <laughs> Wherever you are. Thanks for the dime. <laughs> play ball <laughs> the entire family Frank and Helen and the SWAT team members then celebrate inside the house while Clark and Ellen happily share a Christmas kiss and Clark stands outside satisfied that he provided a great Christmas for his family as the credits roll he manages to give Snots the petting he wanted he doesn't give him a great Christmas he gives him a great Christmas Eve realistically that's, that's tomorrow true. is another battle and we don't have to see that battle because we won the war already? The war on Christmas? The war on Christmas was won. We got through Christmas Eve and the pool was uh, funded. <laughs> this movie's like, just realistically like a holiday Kickstarter for Clark. That's all it is. It's re yeah, exactly. It's like a GoFundMe for his pool. I love this movie, man. I do. So I love good. it so much. It's odd. It is weird. The way it's completely done. Roger Ebert did not like this movie. That's not surprising to me. Like, he thought it was kind of all over the place. He didn't like the director. He realized it was a first-time director. He's like, I think they yeah. kind of gave him a little too much to do, and the movie feels a bit convoluted, the way that it's told. I'd agree with that. Which we'll get there when it comes to style and tone. But it's I, also, uh, I don't know, it's fun, though. It is a lot of fun, and there's so many memorable moments. It's just moment yeah. after moment after moment. Exactly. Seven. Seven. Can't argue that. Next up, we have casting. It's really good. It's so good. Like, obviously, Chevy Chase is terrific as Clark Griswold. He knows the character. It's his third time doing it. Right. Same with Beverly D'Angelo. Third time doing it, she gets it. But you keep bringing these new kids into the fold. And these kids are some of the best ones we get. Johnny Galecki, I think, is one of the best things in this movie. Yeah. He's definitely Clark's son. For sure. And we see that. I don't think we see that with Rusty and any, other, any of the other movies. But I agree. There are so many Chevy Chase isms thrown into Johnny Galecki's performance, even to the point of doing the fake watch bit. That's, That's right. Chevy Chase is from SNL. Absolutely. Like he's leaning in hard and he's so supportive of his dad because he understands this is what it is for the movie. Like if you put that kid this day and age, it's gonna be like, fuck you, dad. Exactly. Fuck you. Yeah. Hope I you I fall love off that roof and die. Like, fuck you, the, dad. The lingerie counter where he comes up, he's like, see, can't see a line, Russ. And he's like, nope, can't see can't one. Can't see one. <laughs> 
so good. He's extremely good. And Juliet Lewis is there. She's doing enough. Absolutely. And obviously the grandparents are terrific. Randy Quaid is terrific. Randy Quaid is terrific. And that's a sentence that we have now said out loud. Yeah, it's it's out there for forever. Uh, eight. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, eight. I'm, I'm in. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I think, is what bumps it to a potential yeah. nine. But I can't bring it up to that nine because I don't know anything else that Nicholas Guest has done. And probably going to get hate for that. No, he was in season four of Yellowstone. <laughs> hey, he's been in really famous stuff like one of the Fast and the Furious movies. He's like the seventh build. How don't you know him? How don't you know that Nicholas Guest was the guy in, he's the guest in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> they were saying, be our Nicholas Guest. <laughs> he's super famous. Eight for casting. Let's talk about protagonist. <laughs> Clark? Clark. He's one of the all-time comedy greats. He's so good. Eight. Hard eight. The hardest eight. Hard eight. Antagonist. This is new territory for us. Yeah, uh, we didn't give a score to this before we blacked out last time. That's right. This is where we, we both felt pukey. I have no idea what's on that recording. I know you sent me yours. I'll put it together. I will edit it the proper way. <laughs> I have no clue what's on that recording. Uh, let's say for antagonists, it wouldn't be the boss so much. It might just be Clark again. It... He gets in his own way a lot. He does often get in his own, his own stubbornness is you know kind of what? what? Antagonist? It's just Christmas. It's Christmas. It's the season. The season of giving is also the season for taking sanity. The the antagonist here is just holidays in general. It's checking the box for all the things you think that you need to do for Christmas. On our Patreon episode for Kirk Cameron saving Christmas, I said that's what I feel like a lot of Christmas is, is checking a box. Checking And that boxes. is exactly what Clark's doing here. So, oh, got to put up lights, got to do the Christmas shopping, got to have the family over, got to do this. Yeah, you're right. He's... This antagonist just stressed me the fuck out, so I'm going to go with an eight. Fair. Next up is the screenplay by John Hughes. It's really good. It's just situational more than anything. It's super situational. I feel like that's kind of a a hallmark of Christmas movies, though. That is true, but is it as episodic as this is? I mean, Christmas Story is very much in the same vein as the way this story is told. Home Alone, a little bit, which is also John Hughes. but That's true. A little bit. Because at least that's structured in an, like three acts. This feels a whole lot looser. This is a lot looser. Uh, yeah, it is It is kind of all over the place. And then we're going to focus on this now and then this. And then yeah. Clark's back in the office for like a scene. And then he's back home. And it's, yeah. Well, I guess you can kind of break it up. And like the first act of this is everything leading up to Uncle Eddie, your cousin Eddie showing up. Right. And then the whole third act would just be Christmas Eve to the I, end. You could, yeah. But it just seems, again, so loose. Whereas, let's say Home Alone, if we want Home Alone, you have the beginning of them leaving Kevin home. Right. And then, obviously, up into the break-in. Right. And then the break-in. And then the break-in. I mean, it's tighter than a Christmas story, though. <laughs> is it? I feel like it is. Like, like I don't, uh, I don't know, because... I don't know how you would break up Christmas it, story, because it's the whole movie is just like, he wants, he wants the, the Red Rocket carbine action rifle red rocket is a dick thing a red rider is a rifle thing Brian. that's um uh, that's 100 what i said <laughs> uh yeah the red rider uh bb gun ralphie and uh he just keeps getting told he's gonna get his, he's gonna shoot his eye out and then eventually he gets it that's that's the last scene of the movie is oh he got the gun yeah but i would uh, one day we'll talk about christmas story because i think the ending of that movie is just fucking beautiful and it's because it of the parents and it, yes. but with this like there's no 
emotional win. No. Well, you have Clark being materialistic and getting his money to fund the pool, so now he's out of the doghouse of that. Well, if you refer back to our Patreon episode, materialism is actually all about Jesus. exactly what Kirk Cameron said. (laughs) (laughs) By being materialistic, we're actually honoring God. Uh, Go check out our Patreon. Yeah, uh, five, because you just Kirk Cameron so hard all over this, and I can't allow that. (laughs) All right, five for screenplay. Let's talk about the style and tone. It's all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You get the goofy-ass animated credits. You get that strange scene out of nowhere with the sledding. Oh, yeah, the sledding. It feels like half of this was written. They thought it was going to be a cartoon. It's possible and likely. There's so many things out of left field that do not tie together Yeah, with like the more realistic things, even to the point of like the Santa flying through the night at the end of this thing. It's just yeah. weird, man. And like the cat getting electri- electrocuted and you know, the way the tree falls down when they un- Honestly, it's actually kind of consistent with its over-the-topness. Okay. Seven. Seven. When you put it that way, I can't argue it. (laughs) That brings us to director Jeremiah S. Chichik. First-time director, he pulled off a memorable movie. A very memorable movie. A class, an instant classic. Do you think it would have been better with anyone else at the helm? Like a, a more experienced director. Like, let's say, John Hughes. Maybe? I don't know. It's hard to say, because I think some of the amateurness of it is what makes it so endearing. Well, it's just interesting, because the emotional moments that are in this movie, they do sort of get there. Yeah. Sort of like when he's trapped in the attic, and he's watching the old reels of past Christmas that this movie was based on. I think that's where he does a really good job. Yeah. And obviously in the comedy, I think you're... Putting it on Chevy Chase to do a lot of the heavy lifting to just Chevy Absolutely. Chase all over the place. Yeah. I don't think a director is going to matter too much when it comes to that. That's true. Five. Five. I don't want to give him too much credit. Yeah. But you put together a movie. Making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Let's talk about the music. Who did it? I, I don't even know who The did composer it. was uh, Angelo Badalamenti. Are you kidding me? No. He literally just passed away within the past couple weeks. He was uh, David Lynch's guy who did like Twin Peaks, right? Blue Velvet, all those guys. That yeah. is such a weird choice for this movie. Very weird choice. I couldn't tell you most of it. Couldn't hum a single note of it. It's not like a Home Alone where I can right. hum every bit of that. That's true. But then you also get the opening credits. And I do love me any movie that has a song about the movie, even though it's not really. It's just a song about Christmas vacation. Yeah. But it works so well with the movie that I'm like, yeah, I'll count it. It's like a, it's like a Will Smith Wild Wild West around Men in Black. Sort of, but I'm, I'm going to give you the- Christmas time! Yeah, you're sort of right. And let me give you the only letterbox review that I pulled for this one. It's from December 13th, 2020. Okay. They gave this movie three stars, and they said, they didn't even go on vacation. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> so, like, the theme song to this thing does not make a whole lot of sense if you put it that way. The title of this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, another Christmas vacation. five. Yeah, I think that's probably good. Five. Uh, way too high. Let's go four, but we'll give the Battalucci bump. The Battle Battalamenti bump. Whatever it was. Whatever. He, he earned the one. Battalucci. For uh, doing a recent bucket kick. Uh, we'll give him the one. Yeah, we'll give him an, an extra point for dying recently. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's how you respect. I can't pour one yeah. out. I'm indoors. I don't want to do that. Exactly. Respect Respect bump on the score that we still have not named. <laughs> Next category is box office. The budget on this was $28 million. Which is enormous. It is. For a comedy. Huge for a comedy. It's opening week. It opened first in the box office, going up against things like Back to the Future Part 2 and Steel Magnolias and The Little Mermaid. It, I mean, it, Some these are all in, all in their first three weeks. Yikes. And it, it, it came out on top, and that's huge for a comedy. Yeah, it especially is. Especially in the 80s. It did end up making a total profit of $74.4 million, which makes it a 266% return on investment, making this a certified blockbuster, and that's a 10 based on our current score. Based on our current score. I'm glad you put that disclaimer there because I'm still not happy. (laughs) Well, the thing is we keep talking about these movies that are pretty well received. We're going to keep getting high box office returns for the most part. That's true. We might have to like multiply by like 10 to get like a true score at some point for all these okay. things. I don't know. We'll figure it out in the new year. Exactly. It's a busy ass time. Calm down, everybody. Right? Yeah, we've, we've said for like multiple episodes, we're going to change this probably, maybe. Yeah, may- maybe you do it, yeah. listener. Maybe you give us a better it. scoring system for the box office. I'm still hungover from this movie that we recorded days ago the first time. <laughs> I can't think about it right I now. I can't be having an argument about how to score box <laughs> office returns. The final category is impact on the industry. This is a tricky one, I feel like, for this movie, because this movie is beloved at this point. Yeah. It is on everybody's cycle of Christmas movies. Absolutely. But for the industry as a whole, what did it do? Hmm. It doesn't feel like a whole lot. No, it just feels like another Christmas movie. Yeah. But when you think about how many Christmas movies come out every year, this one has sticking power. It does have sticking power. And, and it's uh, been referenced. Time, it kind of does. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Let's go with a six. Okay. Because I, I feel like a 10 at this point would be like your giant blockbuster, like Home right. Alone. Yeah. Like, and it's a wonderful life. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even think a Christmas story would be a 10. I don't think it would. Christopher, and it I, gets played 24 hours a day on Christmas. Maybe that's why, though. On it's two because channels. Because people just get beat the fuck down with that movie. It's possible. Yeah, I think six is probably, I don't know. Yeah, six. Yeah, you don't seem too happy. I just don't know what would make it higher than that. Like, it feels low, but it also doesn't. So I think it's, that's probably appropriate. Seven, because it feels weird to say six. Seven, because it feels weird to say six? Because I'm I like okay this movie, damn it. That's always my favorite reason. The Because I like it, damn it, bump. Perfect. That's going to give National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation a total score of 70. Well, sweet fucking Jesus. What? We got a problem. Oh, no. You know what? Do you want to take away the I like it bump and leave it at a 69? We can't, because I know the scores and you don't. I know the Rotten Tomatoes score and you don't. Uh, We got got, bud. Really? We got got. It's a 70. It is the tomato meter. Rotten Tomatoes is a 70. And the audience was an 86. So uh, we were so close to it being a 69. And I was going to say nice. And then you were like, give it a seven. All right, we, I will not <sighs> pound a drink because I don't think I'm physically fucking have to. God damn it. This is, this, I have a nine-hour drive to do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Shot. 
Yeah, I guess. I we'll mean, do a shot. We'll do a shot because I think that's all the liquor my body can handle is one single rules shot. Rules are rules. Still, because I I have a feeling I'm going to like go into convulsions just from alcohol touching my lips after the damage I did the other night. Yeah, this is not going to feel good, but we made the rule, damn it. <laughs> Down the hatch. Je- Jeff Miners made the rule, Jeff, damn it. Well, he's a listener, and it was a good rule, and we agreed it was a good rule. So, that's true. Uh, get your shot glass. Uh, reconvene here in a second. I'll cut the, the silence. Cheers. Cheers. <coughs> oh, God. I was not ready. Stay down, stay down, stay down, stay down, stay down. We're good. We're good. We're good now. Uh, it's TBD. Whew. Jeff, go fuck yourself. Yeah. We got got on the worst fucking episode to get got on we... because of what happened before. That's, um, that is seriously unfortunate, but uh, <coughs> yeah. So that's been Christmas Vacation! Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, etc., etc. I guess that means I have to ask, Dave, next pick is yours. It sure is. The first pick of the new year. Why don't you beer me a movie? Well, I think that this one's appropriate because it goes into one of my favorite subjects that there is because it's one of my areas of massive nerddom. Okay. And also, I feel like it's something that my belly is saying right now after this shot uh, <laughs> of Houston, we have a problem. Oh. Because we're going to be talking about 1995's Apollo 13. Nice. Yeah, we probably should wrap this episode up. My belly is not feeling <laughs> great. <laughs> Next week, Apollo 13. Apollo 13. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and have yourself a merry little Christmas. And a happy new year and happy holidays, whatever it is you celebrate. Join us on Patreon this month for Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. It's You'll hear the slow progression into how we ended up not finishing this movie the first time we did it. I listened back to just the briefest part of the ending of yeah. the Christmas vacation just to see, like, I know I was drunk. I know I shut it down. Right. But I looked in my... On my computer, all I wrote was Christmas for the save file, which is not how I would ever save anything. <laughs> oh, no. And I listened. At some point, I said, he clarks a bonus, and I don't know what that means. Got to clark so, a bonus. Go on to Patreon. I think I'll do it in, like, February or put it out. I Give think that feels appropriate. To, edit it, but Who's, yeah. to find out what clarking a bonus is. We'll figure it out together. Subscribe for $1 a month on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you can email your questions and comments to beermeamoviepod at gmail.com and follow us on social media beermeamovie on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and at beermeamoviepod on Twitter. Brian, you got anything else? That is all for me. Fantastic. We'll see you guys next week, next, next month, year. next year. Woohoo! When we talk about Apollo 13, we'll see you then. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals.